You're listening to Once, episode 64, Child of the Moon. Welcome back to another episode of Once Podcast, the podcast about ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We are so excited to talk about this episode, Child of the Moon. Awesome episode of Once Upon a Time, now the seventh episode of season two, and we've got some awesome things to talk about with you tonight. But real quick, if you are listening to this and it's still not yet the end of November 15th. You have a chance to vote for us in the podcast awards over at podcastawards.com. Vote for Once Podcast under Entertainment, then under Comedy, vote for The Ramen Noodle, and then under Technology, vote for The Audacity to Podcast. Those are three of our podcasts that are finalists in the awards. But also, you still have a chance, if it's still not yet the 15th when you're hearing this, or the end of the 15th, you still have a chance to send in your costumes for once upon a time costume contest that we'll be hosting and there will be a prize for the first place winner so please send those to us feedback at oncepodcast.com if you have multiple costumes to show off please give us a picture of each one and a large enough picture that we'd be able to post it on the web so that will start in uh, sometime soon watch the blog <laughs> over at oncepodcast.com it will probably start i'll probably collect the pictures around thanksgiving time and leave the voting open for about a week or a week and a half or so, so people can vote on that. Watch the website at onespodcast.com for that, and it might be a link in the forums that uh, you'll go to to vote. We'll see. But we'd love for all of you out there to vote for your favorite Once Upon a Time costume, and you just get one vote. It's not You don't have to worry about this whole daily voting thing, so you can't wait the vote like that, but you just get one vote, and then we'll see which is the best Once Upon a Time costume. So check that out and everything else we do over at the website at oncepodcast.com. Let's talk about this fantastic episode of Child. It's called Child (laughs) of the Moon. And Kitsis and Horowitz in the official Once Upon a Time podcast mentioned that they chose this title, Child of the Moon, because it's actually the name of a song from the Rolling Stones. Oh. And there's also uh, the, the den, the wolf den in this the sunken castles part uh-huh. is also based on something from the rolling stones kitsis and horowitz are big fans of that band so they told their script writers to put in the phrase child of the moon as much as they could in this script so that's where the phrase child of the moon comes from and they didn't want to use the phrase or the word werewolf so they came up with this alternative title which well, i think was pretty cool why didn't they want to say werewolf number one i think they just uh, negative connotation listen listen to the or... official once upon a time podcast with kitsis and horowitz and estelle mcgecky as the host for that well and okay check that out see what they say about it there i didn't yeah that's kind of a weird connection <laughs> yeah but i mean they they put things that they're fans of in this episode in all of the episodes mm-hmm. the stuff that they just particularly like they have little nods to that in here But I do like that phrase. It's kind of cool and poetic. But let's start our discussion talking about Enchanted Forest. Did you notice how much younger Ruby was acting in this? Mm -hmm. It almost seemed like she was acting younger than she was in Red Handed. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, it's probably just been so long since we've seen Red Handed. Yeah, I think so. 
But you could definitely see the contrast between Enchanted Forest and Storybrooke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing this is maybe two years before the curse. It's kind of what we're thinking on our timeline is that Snow ran away or yeah, ran away from the evil queen and King Leopold died about two years before the curse was put in place. But this actual story happens about a month after the events of Red Handed. Some of the cast and uh, writers have said that it picks up right from Red Handed, which it kind of does story-wise. And Jeremy, and you and I were talking about this mm-hmm. before we recorded the podcast, that it's it's not quite the minute after it Red Handed. It feels like it is when it starts. Yeah, some, some things to point out here to help us understand that. In the episode Red Handed from season one, which was all Ruby's backstory, which would be a great episode to rewatch after seeing this episode of Once Upon a Time, and some of our fans did rewatch it. But back then, this it happened. The events in Red Handed happened in the middle of Wolf's time. It started during that episode, and Wolf's time was still going as of the end of the episode Red Handed, and that's when Snow and Red started running from villagers who are coming after the wolf. In this episode, we see Snow and Red running from the Queen's man, men who are going after Snow. And another mm-hmm. different thing was back then it was snowing. This this running through the woods, yes. it's not, there isn't snow. Yeah, true. And <laughs> the whole weather thing. Speaking of snow, Red called her Snow, but I don't think she knew her real name yet, did she? <gasps> At the end of oh, that episode? yeah. That's... Right. So it couldn't have been picked up right where it will have. Well, yeah. They were running through the woods. He's like, by the way, I'm <laughs> Snow, White. Snow White. You might see a poster that Just looks ignored. like me. Yes, that's me. But yeah, don't don't pay attention. They're on random trees. They're everywhere. Ignore it. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Good good catch, Jeremy, on the name. Uh, but Speaking then- of shouting Snow White, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious how the guard just rushes up to Snow White and says, you can't run away from the queen, Snow White. And it totally explained, you know, what was happening. But in real life, nobody does that. Like, he should have just <laughs> grabbed her and he would have had her. We would have had her, but... <laughs> well, and that reveals uh, one of the other two things that places this slightly on the timeline. One is that Snow has some skill now. She's learned from Red how to track wolf prints. We yeah. hear that later in the episode. And she's apparently learned how to fight a little bit from Red because of the way that both Snow and Red work together to take down that guard. Those are some more advanced self-defense moves. Certainly not something that little innocent Snow White would have known. So she must have learned some of that from Red. But also the definite tell uh, of when this happens on the timeline is that at the beginning of this episode, Child of the Moon... The full moon is about to come and Wolf's time is about to start again. So at least one month, I'm thinking it's about one month, has happened between Red Handed and now this episode, Child of the Moon. At a least, lot of running. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. Running, hiding, running, hiding. <laughs> but so uh, in Enchanted Forest, it's then, yes, Snow sees that poster, which is... The first time that she sees the poster of her, the wanted poster, and it says for murder, treason, and treachery, I think. And she looks at it and goes, my ears don't look like that. And she rips it off the (laughs) tree. I just can't get my nose right. (laughs) It would have been great if she had said something like that. A nice little nod to... uh, Tangled. Yeah, Tangled. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yeah, but uh, no, they, but it was the first time that Snow had seen that poster. So this is maybe a couple or a few months after Snow ran away, and now she sees, wow, the king even has me on a wanted poster for queen. a king. Uh, queen, yeah. yeah. The queen wants me on, has me on a wanted poster for all of these things. that I didn't do these things like this. But when we uh, then see... Snow said that they plan to find a cabin in the woods. And I look back to when was it that we saw a cabin in the background with snow and red? And that was in the episode 715. About that time, though, Snow seemed to be living by herself. And Red was bringing food to Snow, Mm -hmm. helping her out. Yeah. Whether that's... Who knows what happened in between. When Snow and Red split up, and Red then meets this guy, Quinn, and he recognized Snow, did you ca- or recognized Red, did you catch how he said he could tell she was a wolf? He smelled her. Yeah. As of the night before. So it's not like this wolf pack has been, it didn't sound like this wolf pack has been looking for her. But it sounds more like she just came through their territory and he smelled her and realized she's one of us. Mm-hmm. And then he found her. Probably. The stuff Anita said was a little confusing from that standpoint. It sounded like they could have been looking for her. M- maybe. Yeah, but maybe they'd given up because this is maybe 16 years. Maybe they all detected her. Maybe. And then she sent him back out to get her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that could be too. Because they do like to run. Why Why did their eyes glow? Was that just for our benefit? Because rubies, I mean, reds have never done that. They did once when she was transforming. Oh, yeah. When she, so mm-hmm. you think they have so much control. They can simply they can simply make their eyes morph so they can show each other. I would. Like a secret <laughs> handshake? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> like a secret eye glow. I wish <laughs> I could do that, actually. <laughs> Because they can't turn into the wolf in daylight. And right. they, I wonder from this episode, we don't really know, is it only wolf's time, only full moon that they can turn into wolves? It sounded like it, but as, um, whenever whenever um, Red's mother was about to kill Snow, she said, we have to wait till the moon and then I'm going to kill her or then you should kill her or something. But it was like two minutes later and she would turn into a wolf. Well, they said, she said when... She said, in the morning, we'll feast on a princess. Yeah, so I guess they're going to kill her. And, Ugh, and then eat her as our human selves. Yeah. Gross. No. No, eat her as their wolf Okay, that, that would make more did sense. Did she really say morning, though? Blah, 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 blah. I, I think she did. That would make me think that they would... Blah, that would be cannibalism. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they consider night morning or something Maybe so. strange like that. Could be, because nighttime is when they're actually out there. Oh, like like 12 a.m. That's midnight. Duh. It'd be morning, though. <laughs> well, when <laughs> tall relative, apparently Quinn brings Red to this this underground castle, and he said it was a sunken castle. And I have looked all over. He said it was a castle, the grand hall of a castle that sunk underground. I've looked all over, and I couldn't really find anything that stood out as, yes, this is definitely what this castle is from. But I did find a couple things. Well, you just said that they did it because it was a reference to a song, right? Um, no, the, the design of the oh, room. Oh, okay. From what I understood in the official podcast, the design of the room they oh. took from the song. Now, then again, 
You know, I didn't actually cross-reference Sunken mm. Castle or anything like that with Rolling Stone songs, so I okay. could be wrong there, and um, I'll kind of be watching the chat room while we're recording this live to see if anyone there points out that, yeah, Sunken Castle is a reference from Clearly, the Rolling Stones. we don't know Rolling Stones. I really hope that that wouldn't be the only place they would get something like that because mm. it is begging at least one question, primarily... Is there a backstory to this castle? Yeah. And it would just drive, I think, everybody crazy to not someday get that, probably. Well, I did find two things that kind of stood out to me, but not a definite connection in my mind. Um, Sunken Castle is a part of a Latvian poem that the title of the poem is translated as Bear Slayer. Um, interesting. Uh, I don't know. But also... <laughs> Hans Christian Andersen had a work called Pictures of Sweden, and in one portion of that work, he refers to a sunken castle that rises and then sinks again. Oh. So I I don't know if that has anything to do with this, or if they just thought, hey, let's pretend this is a castle, or maybe it's Atlantis. But then the legend for Atlantis goes that it sank into the sea. And it's a lot more impressive than one room, (laughs) one would think, full of creepy werewolf hippies yeah so i don't know if there was much more beyond that if there was listeners we'd love for you to comment on the show notes for this episode to point out for us what that connection would be you can go to oncepodcast.com slash 64 and comment in reply to whatever we're saying in this episode that you'd like to respond to so sunken castle uh, i don't know i mean cool idea i'd like to know is there something to that is that some villain in the past that i, I don't know but Anita said that she's Red's mother. And by the way, Anita. Yes, that's this, her, that's this wolf mother's name. It's Anita. Where does that come from? <laughs> Other than 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> well, our friends, um, Father Roderick and his co-host over at Secrets of Once Upon a Time podcast, whenever a new character comes up, they say their name means this in such and such language and this and that language. And I listened to their live podcast today. I don't remember what they said the meaning of the name Anita was, but you can go over and check out their episode on Child of the Moon. It's at onceuponatime.sqpn.com, or I'll have the link in the show notes for their podcast over at uh, oncepodcast.com slash 64. But we questioned in our initial reactions whether Anita really was Red's mother, and when we... Uh, when listening to the official Once Upon a Time podcast with Kitsis and Horowitz, they mentioned and referred to her regularly as if it's very factual that Anita is Red's mother. They never brought that into question. And throughout this episode, I don't think there was anything to really hint in any way that Anita was lying, that <sighs> she wasn't really Red's mother. And in fact, they kind of look alike. Yeah, you're right. The only thing that would hint in my mind is that it was so fast. The whole thing was so fast. It was like, what, one night, maybe 24 hours or so, they had her. She gets in close with them, and then people start dying, and Red's gone again. It was just sort of a whirlwind family reunion slash parting. It almost made me wish that there would be more of a history as to like the, the story surrounding maybe when granny was bitten or something and Anita 
had to be or when granny decided to start lying about anita and all this stuff but then again i'm not sure that would be all that interesting it was just it felt really fast yeah a lot of this episode did well they had a lot of story to try and fit in to a single episode in our chat room princess emma pointed out that maybe it was kind of like a spiritual mother of all the wolves kind of thing and i don't think so she did refer to the other wolves as brothers and sisters to uh, red but that was that was definitely the sense of like you see that included herself i think they were just common like they were all very much alike right but they they... counted each other family Mm -hmm. but the only ones who were actually related were anita and red and anita so where is red's father Uh, maybe he actually was killed by hunters which is what granny said and then red repeated in this episode probably did anybody else see them move super fast when snow came in? I did. As humans? Yeah, that was... A little weird. It's like vampire-ish, like Twilight, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like the vampire thing. I wonder if that could come into play again later. Like, Ruby has special abilities like that super fast movement when she's not a wolf. Because yeah. she didn't do it. Right. Well, Did she, she didn't learn a whole lot from them. She was with them for a very short amount of time. She was just there long enough to learn how to control mm-hmm. being wolf. It was so odd that I almost felt like it was a stylized moment. But if she didn't do it and the rest of them did, then that would mean, no, they actually can do this for some reason. They just didn't talk about it. Mm. Yeah. could. Well, she was just there for one night, like Jenny was pointing out. Yeah. Just from what we can tell, it seemed like just one. She spent just one night there. And she got it. She got it perfect. <laughs> Her training, she got it perfect. Or at least yeah. part of it. And um, <laughs> Over to, one night. Anita was really quite the talker in this episode, being very descriptive of things. Listen to the way that she describes uh, being a wolf and the difference between fear and all of this. She believed the wolf is something to be ashamed of. I see things differently. Humans want us to believe we are the monsters. The moment you believe them... That's when you become one. You're not the first to learn the truth about yourself through tragedy. So many of us spend so much of our life suppressing the wolf. They have no idea how to control it. They just need help. Help embracing their true nature. The only way you will ever control the wolf is by accepting it as a part of you. So... She's really pushing Red to accept that this is part of her. And we see Red do that in this episode, that Red doesn't reject this part, kind of like Granny was wanting Red to reject this part. And Red, though, accepts both parts. But the way that Anita then later describes being a wolf, really, it could sound like the thrill of being on drugs. And that it seems like this is a little cult that they have. They don't consider themselves humans. They consider themselves just a wolf. They refer to themselves as Red's pack. And they refer to other people as humans. And they refer to themselves as wolves. So they've. It, it's very much like a cult, the way that they do these things. And even some of the ways that they dress, or some of the little symbolism here or there, seems a bit cult-like but listen to anita's then description during this uh, montage after one of the commercial breaks it'll be like nothing you've ever felt before the pine needles underfoot the air rushing over your fur your brothers and sisters at your side 
mind won't want to believe it. It will tell you a wolf is invading your body, trying to take over. And if you believe that, for even a moment, you'll black out and lose control, like you have every other night you've turned. But if you give in to the wolf, you'll realize the truth. You are the wolf. And when you accept that, you will finally be in control. So quite vivid description, and it really sounds like these are a group of, uh, like I said, almost like a cult. Or of- Honda drivers. <laughs> Basically, because I thought it was a commercial both times yes. that we watched it. When it came on, I thought it was like a car commercial that was starting. Yeah, very well produced, by the way. <laughs> I, I think that little section there, very different from anything else they've done in Once Upon a Time. Which is a little odd, but yeah, I mean, it was it was compelling, but it was odd that it felt almost like it didn't match at first. Mm-hmm. And the CGI, while not amazing, because it's a TV show. TV shows just have much more limited budgets. It was still really good. For a TV show and for what they were communicating here and the way that they did the music, Marsh Ice, Mark Isham's music here and everything was just really awesome. And that's why it seemed like it was a commercial, but really awesome scene, I think. And uh, interesting the way that Anita describes the thrill of being a wolf like that. So when Snow then saw, let's see, it was when Snow came and was talking with Red, Snow had referred to the fact that she would do anything to be with her mother again. And we still don't know who Snow's mother, her true mother, is. True. Like, at one time, we thought maybe Snow's true mother was uh, the Sleeping Beauty. Do you think we'll ever find out? I don't know. And it could still be Sleeping Beauty, like the original Sleeping Beauty, not the Aurora we're seeing right now in present day Mm -hmm. fairy tale land. But it could be that maybe Snow and Aurora are sisters. That'd be an interesting turnout. Could. Yeah, maybe. Confusing. Too many people are related in the show as it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I think we will see her because it's nothing if not about mothers. Mothers everywhere in Mm. this in this series. Now, I'm kind of skipping over a little bit when Snow accidentally lured the soldiers into the den. Did you guys have anything to say there? Anything stand out to you about that? I mean, besides the fact that they wanted to eat Snow the next day. Disturbing. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it was... That's what it means to be a wolf. Mm-hmm. That's... I don't know. I think her mother was a little bit crazy. A little bit. I think Granny might have been a little wrong and a little right all at the same time <laughs> to do what she did in lying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, she definitely could have handled that differently and should have. But now it's as a result of this that Red knows how to control her wolfness. I can now see why Granny hid the truth. Yeah. But she shouldn't have. I can see why she did, but she shouldn't have. It's It's... It's like a drug or something. Um, look at it this way. Not, let's not use the drug reference, but something that tastes really good. Like a chocolate, cupcake, a chocolate cupcake with <laughs> lots of icing on it. Like that one that Regina offered to Henry once. If a child doesn't know how good that tastes, they might not be as tempted to taste it. 
But once they know, it could be very easy for them to indulge too much in that. And maybe that was Granny's perspective on this wolf thing. And she was worried that if she let Red know about the wolf thing, that Red would become addicted to it like all of these people were. But then Red, though, had a different perspective, a more balanced perspective of being both. It's a good point. I'm just wondering if Granny ever learned to control this. Like, she's she's been trying to suppress the wolf from coming out in Ruby. And I'm just wondering, did she suppress? Did she spend her whole life as a wolf mm. suppressing the wolf? I don't know. That's a really good question. I think she might have learned how to control it, but it always disgusted her that she even had it. And, you know, she said that hers faded over time. And is that because she was bitten? Ah, and maybe yes. the ones who are born with it, it doesn't fade. That could be. Oh, so they don't have to be bitten. They're born with it. I assume right. so. Oh, yeah. I assume that Ruby was never or red or she's both, whatever. <laughs> I assume she was never bitten. I don't fully understand that. Yeah, we could go back to the episode Red Handed from season one. And they describe that a little bit more that that granny was bitten. She and was turned. Yeah. And turned. So, yeah, she was a. She was a, a werewolf, whatever you want to call it, child of the moon. <laughs> An At one child point, of the moon. Mm-hmm. how did she get that way? Like, you can be born that way or you can be well, bitten. Granny, both, right? granny was regular born human, yeah. but she was turned into a child of <laughs> right. the moon. And then it seems she referred to the person who turned her was Red's grandfather. Oh. So her husband, basically. So they then had Anita, who is fully wolf and human. Or fully child of the moon, and so is Red, maybe? No. Depending on who's Red's father is. I'm remembering the conversation now. She said that she was marked and then the wolf came back and she was turned. I wonder yes. what that I wonder what, what's involved there. So your granny's pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> Which we see come out in this episode in, in yeah. so many ways in Storybrooke, how intense She's she is. Really good reason to be intense. But we'll get to Storybrooke in just a few minutes. So there's another parallel to draw the wolves are much like the giants she says anita says wherever humans go death follows so they've got this whole thing we're gonna kill you first because we think anytime there's a human we're gonna die and of course they've been hunted and killed and all these things through the years apparently nobody knows how to just you know stop Ah, yeah like if the wolves would stop killing people now that you can control it maybe the people would stop trying to kill you but hey apparently they don't think that hard about it yeah Hmm. humans are the top of the food chain in (laughs) in fairy tale land too (laughs) even over giants (laughs) that's right well hopefully they're not eating giants but you know well yeah they're just like (laughs) dominant the dominant species red protected snow and pushed anita and accidentally pushed her onto this thing that was by the fireplace and killed Anita. Well, I have a theory about that. That happened uh-huh. really fast. I couldn't even tell what was happening. Yeah, my theory is that if you get shoved in fairy tale land and it's your time to die, something spiky will come <laughs> out of the ground, possibly out of you, and you'll be dead. Wait, that's just how it happens. You know what? I'm remembering um, that episode when Granny uh, said that. A dime, uh, no wait, a silver-tipped arrow was the only thing that could bring we'll down... drop her. She didn't say kill her, she said drop her. Oh. 
Yeah. So I was thinking, everything in here is silver. <laughs> like everything is silver. Well, yeah, this went through her heart, just like the arrow that went through Quinn's oh. that killed Quinn. It went straight through his heart. <laughs> so I guess that's how you can kill a werewolf: is shoot them through the heart, or you can down drop them with a silver tipped arrow or silver something, oh. silver bullet. Maybe silver <laughs> is a very pure, considered a very pure color. <laughs> so when they bury Anita. And Snow is very comforting to Red during this. And Red says that she wants to be both human and wolf. And Snow was the only person who encouraged her to be like that. And none of the wolves were there. So I guess they were all like, you humans burying your dead. We eat them. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I watched to see did they run away. But what happened was when they tied up Snow, the other wolves just left the room. So maybe they went out to try and hunt down if there were any other of the queen's men and they left completely maybe. or I don't it's know a what convenient. quite happened there. The scene certainly would have been more complicated with them present. Yeah. Did you notice the little symbol on Anita's grave? I noticed it there. It looked like a moon and a star. Yeah. Like a stick drawing of a moon and a star. Which can make a lot of sense because they're called children of the moon is what they're a child of the moon. But also, interestingly, it's very similar to the necklace that Gold gave to Henry in Storybrooke. Yes, which I did not notice at the time, but it is true. Hmm. And a bunch of people (laughs) sent in this uh, Ricky, Ellen, Jeff, Hannah, Slurpees 108, (laughs) and a, a few others came in just before we recorded. People who sent in saying, did you notice these two symbols are the same? And I'll have a link in the show notes for a forum post. Uh, where it shows these pictures. And also we'll have the pictures in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 64. But you can check that out, post in the forums, what you think about that symbol. If it, maybe they're connected in some way, maybe they're not. But they are very similar, oddly. So anything else left to say about Enchanted Force before we move on to Storybrooke? Nope. Okay, I want to take a moment to thank a few people who have made this episode of One's Podcast possible. Bonita Still, Sandra, again, has jumped on as a sponsor, and Jed Anderson have each sponsored this episode of One's Podcast. We really, really appreciate the sponsorship because I'm not sure if you've noticed over the last few days, but the website has been having some problems, and the website server company has told me, I need to upgrade the server again. And I'm I'm desperately trying to figure out if there's anything I can do to avoid an upgrade because it's almost twice the cost. Actually, it's more than twice the cost of what we're paying now. So I'm trying to work hard to figure out if we can save some money there. But so that sponsorship really, really helps. We really appreciate it. Benita, Sandra, and Jed, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode of One's Podcast. If anyone else would like to sponsor an episode, please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. And there are two other ways that you can support us too. One is if you're interested in audiobooks, if you listen to podcasts, you'll probably like audiobooks and you can get a free audiobook to keep by joining Audible and they have thousands of audiobooks there. Amazing quality and great time. Uh, Go to oncepodcast.com slash audible and you can sign up for a free trial, get a free audiobook to keep, and it helps support the show too. One other thing, with Christmas coming up, maybe you're going to be doing some holiday shopping and want to use amazon.com. You can pay the normal price on Amazon for whatever you're shopping for, but if you first go to oncepodcast.com slash amazon just before you place your order, 
then we will get an affiliate revenue from whatever you order. So this is a great way that you can spend money in the normal way that you do it at Amazon.com and you still get to save money buying from Amazon. And yet this still goes back to supporting us a little bit. So you don't have to pay anything extra and then we get a percentage of that. So it's a great way to support the show. And you can get those links that I mentioned at the show notes as well. I'll have links at oncepodcast.com slash 64. So thank you, Benita, Sandra, and Jed. And thank you if you choose to use one of our affiliate links. Now let's talk about Storybrooke. And we might spend a lot more time here. Jenny, you loved something about the way that Storybrooke started off. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. Please, please, please play it. (laughs) When Grumpy was in the mine. That's what I'm gonna do! (laughs) So funny. I think Grumpy heard that he could support us by joining Audible's free program. And so he was like, oh, I'm so excited. That's what I'm going to do. Killing me. Wow. Hilarious. I want to hear that in my sleep. It would make me laugh so hard. What's better than the dreams that Aurora and Henry were having? We'll talk about those in a little bit. Yeah. I'm going to have a time not laughing for a little bit. Just ignore me. Maybe going to mute my mic. <laughs> so the dwarves found fairy dust or found diamonds. And the blue fairy said that magic brought the diamonds back. Sorry. <laughs> this is, it's like grumpy catnip to Jenny's sense of humor. <laughs> I don't know. So, I wonder, did the magic actually bring back the diamonds, or was it just the diamonds were always there, yet to be discovered? Well, she said they're back, and apparently they're special diamonds. Yeah. Well, are they special, or are they just diamonds? Well, see, maybe they're revising that a little bit, because they were like, oh, we grind up diamonds, and it makes fairy dust, and then tonight, or tonight I say, this episode, they're like... Oh, oh! you mean the kind that make fairy dust? Yeah, that mm. kind. And they looked a little weird and, you know. They looked like mur- like mercury. You know, like all silvery solid. and stuff. So, yes. I, she said they're back. I think it was fairly straightforward. They weren't there. So, they're going to set up some kind of processing plant so they can turn all of these diamonds into fairy dust. And the fairies yeah. are going to get magic. Can we please keep Astrid away from it? Because I just don't want to... <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Ugh. That. I don't want that. She's less. She's becoming less and less annoying in my mind. I'm actually really liking her now. <laughs> she's cute. Oh, dear. You're just spending time with her in your imagination. Oh. Oh. <laughs> with the blue fairy there, she said... Uh, she asked David, do you still have the hat? And he pulled it out. He's been carrying this around with him. And here's something. Some people have asked us the question of how did um, King George or uh, Spencer, Albert Spencer was his name, uh, District Attorney Albert Spencer, how did he know about the hat? Well, Prince Charming, David, has said previously that he has no secrets and he's been carrying this hat around a lot. Yeah. So if... Spencer has been watching David for not very long, then he's probably seen him with this hat. Maybe Spencer knew about Jefferson, knew about the hat, 
all of this. So it was very easy, I think, to just with some basic, basic reconnaissance, be able to know what David was trying to do. And then all, everyone was in the diner just a little bit later celebrating. Yay, we found diamonds and all of this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and he could be like lurking about King King George and just overhearing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe he's hired some people to try and do some research for him and uh, spy for him. But whatever the case, he knew it. It's very understandable that he knew about the hat. And the Blue Fairy told David to lock it up. And what did David do? He carried it around. He put it in a drawer. A well, drawer he did lock without, it up. without a lock. No, it had keys, remember? He dropped the, the keys, keys in, in the drawer. drawer. <laughs> he did? Yes. <laughs> Why did it, he do that? It was when later in the episode in Storybook, when David locked Ruby in the cell, he took the keys from the oh. cell, opened a drawer, and that split second when he opens the drawer and drops the prison cell keys into the uh. drawer, the hat is right there. And who walks in? Dumb move, charming. <laughs> That is right then when Spencer walks in. So Spencer could have seen that, or maybe just Spencer searched the office later. Probably that. It wasn't even a locked drawer. So, David, you need to find better places to hide your stuff. Yep. I mean, he's got an apartment. He's got got a house. As Goldfish in our live chat room said, some David Nolan left over. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. So at that diner, when they're all celebrating, I, I love the introduction of Billy uh, with Ruby. A mouse. What? Where? No. <laughs> I meant me. I was a mouse. My name was Gus. I lived in Cinderella's pantry. I ate cheese. I gnawed on wood, but I preferred the cheese. Cinderella, <laughs> also known as Ashley, also known as we haven't seen her since the curse was broken. You're right. But do you remember where Sean works? It works at the mechanic, right? At the cannery. Can- cannery? And that's where Billy died, was in front of the cannery. Sean where he did it. Ah, <laughs> don't don't know. So, yeah, we haven't seen Ashley or Cinderella again, but it was really They're cool both. to see um, Billy. She's both. <laughs> it was cool to see Billy. And this raises new questions of, was he always a mouse? Because that's mm-hmm. how he introduced himself. He didn't say... I was cursed to be a mouse. He just tried to scare her and hopefully catch her off guard so she would agree to have a drink with him. Why is he a human? Yeah. Why is he? And Pongo's a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, well, that's what I'm saying. Is Does this raise an issue that now... Was Gus Gus animal, a well, person? Here's one other thing to consider. At animals, one time in Fairytaleland? Well, that or animals in fairy tale land do have personality. That was hinted to one other time in not once upon a time in the pilot episode. Charming said that all of the animals of the forest were a buzz about the queen's plan. Oh, maybe it was only maybe it was the only ant. Okay, I'm gonna try this again. Maybe it was only the animals who could talk. Mm-hmm. In the Disney versions that got turned into humans. <laughs> Could be. Because Gus Gus talked and so, Pongo didn't. Well, I'd like them to either explain it or not pull that stuff so much anymore. Yeah. It's frustrating. I, I could definitely see it being a curse. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to curse you to be a mouse. Squeak. Yeah. And, and that makes sense. So maybe he did something and got cursed. Maybe it was an accident, like he was playing with magic or near someone who was playing with magic or something. Don't play with magic. You'll turn into a mouse, (laughs) kids. Good lesson for you kids. 
don't play with magic. <laughs> but whatever the case, he's a human now. His name is Billy. And uh, Billy the Mouse, I got to give credit to Father Roderick from Secrets of Once Upon a Time that he did some research about Billy the Mouse. And this could be a subtle Mickey the Mouse reference. No. Because there was a particular... Um, <laughs> comic strip or an episode of a comic of mickey where mickey pretended to be the outlaw billy the kid but mickey was called billy the mouse i think that is a bit of a stretch and whatever mouse he is he got cut in half by an axe (laughs) by prince charming's father but not father so the whole thing's a little messy anyway and his memory is now tainted one other thing though that could be a slight nod is billy is another form of the word william and the very first Mickey the Mouse Mickey Mouse animation that Walt Disney did was Steamboat Willie. Yes. Steamboat William, William, Billy related there. So again, it could be a little <laughs> nod. I wonder if they always planned for him to be the mouse from the beginning. Because some of these side characters, we've been surprised to learn that, yes, they did plan from the beginning that that's who this character was. Yes. So far, it's just not that important. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much more. I mean, yeah, I don't know. If they ever decide to go back and tell more Cinderella, which I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe, but... Well, Gus Gus is now dead, dead. He, yeah, he's oh, dead. Geez. Wow, so insensitive. <laughs> Meanwhile, Belle was trying to look just like Red or vice versa. I'm not sure which, but they showed up looking like sisters. Mm-hmm. And said they were going to have girls' night. Belle wow. was very understanding in this episode and, and very quickly loyal to a new friend. Yeah. That's pretty much Belle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, she she uh, looked like she was taking on the role of big sister mm-hmm. there. Now, when, when Billy came and talked to Red or Ruby there in the diner, Ruby looks briefly at a clock and it's at 820 and that's not much significance. But I think there could be something else slightly significant here. And I did a little research on this. On the clock, you can see the writing of the date 1921 and also Hotel du Parc. And I did some research and Hotel du Parc is a hotel in France that uses lots of roses in decorations. Like every bedroom has this really wide picture of a rose above the bed. And in many of the rooms, at least that are on the website, and I'll have a link in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 64 But many of these pictures are red roses or red-colored roses uh, in these rooms. And that could be, again, another subtle nod to the fairy tale Snow White and Rose Red. Hmm. That just that clock and the name that's on the clock of this French hotel could be a slight reference to Rose Red. It could be a stretch, but it could be a really cool reference. Maybe Kitsis and Horowitz have stayed at that hotel before. (laughs) But I'll have that link in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 64. And if you're ever in France, or if you live near France and you're listening to us, then please let us know about Hotel du Parc. Du Parc. And let me know how badly I'm mispronouncing it. (laughs) (laughs) Henry does not want to sleep again because of the nightmares. But David reassures him that I will be in the room next to you. And David is definitely looking out after Henry as much as he can, so much as if David couldn't be there, he later called Regina to be there, which hints at uh, trust building, I think, between David and Regina a little bit that he gave her this chance that he asked her, can you watch over Henry while I'm gone? And I assume David probably told her about the nightmares. But when 
uh, Granny is really back in her stuff of being really intense. She's got this um, crossbow. Crossbow, yeah, later. And then she's got this blowtorch, or not blowtorch, but um, uh, soldering, welding stuff. Yeah. And she's welding this door and this lock and all of this stuff to be able to hold Ruby if she turns. And Ruby said in this conversation that the curse prevented her from turning. Do you think she would have turned into a wolf without magic being back? No. Do you think that's a magic thing or is that a a, a science thing or a genetics? Did magic have to come back for her to turn back into a wolf? I want to say no. So, well, the writers, Kitsis and Horowitz, have mentioned before, I can't remember what episode of their official podcast, but they did say, what do you think? Or they said, we're going to explore at some point what magic means for certain characters like Ruby with what she was once before. I don't think it took magic for her to become what she is. I think it was just the curse because if they had werewolves running around, then people would start getting suspicious and they would start remembering things. So well, that's I'd, what I think. I'd say it's a magical transformation and in a land without magic, it can't happen. Yeah, I'm I'm back and forth on it because she never mentions magic. But then again, who in the town... Not everyone in the town knows that magic was brought back, necessarily. Well, uh, probably. You know, by now, yeah, they probably all know. <laughs> there was the whole mob thing and whatever. Yeah. But And Ruby had never had her red hood since they've been in Storybrooke. And she checked with Gold, and Gold owns a lot of items that, as Grumpy said in Belle's Dream, that those items do not belong to Gold. <gasps> But they're items that Gold has brought over and many items that belong to different characters. But he didn't have Ruby's hood. So where? how did the hood get in um, Spencer's hands? Maybe something to do with the battle back over the kingdom. Maybe somehow Spencer got that hood from, or King George rather back then, got the hood from Red and kept it. And so when the curse came... Spencer was the one who carried over the hood into Storybrooke. It, I don't know. I don't know how he got it. Maybe he found it somewhere. I think he found it in Storybrooke. And I think I think he'd had enough experience with with Ruby. I mean, with Red in Fairytale Land post, I mean, precurse. Because she fought a bunch of his men. Hmm. So I think he would have heard of her. Yeah. So it's possible that he got wind of that cloak. And as soon as he woke up, he looked for it so that he could, you know, yada, yada, yada against David. Yeah, definitely. So he knew about her. Uh, And also in the chat room, uh, it was, let's see, I can't remember who it was. Oh, Jay in the chat room pointed out that she was wearing her red hood in the pilot when they had that like war council about around the big red (laughs) round table. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to point out that Arjun in the chat room said... Uh, about the curse and if with it being either magic or the curse that that um that ruby needed in order to phase back into a wolf um arjun said curse stopped time meaning no full moon and no wolfy ruby mm-hmm. i don't think that it stopped time in that literal of a sense then you would not have day or night right well I mean, it's, it, it froze them in time. Yeah, it, didn't it froze freeze time. She's a yeah. It froze her, her being, her person. So she couldn't phase into a wolf because her body wasn't recognizing the passing of time because their bodies were frozen in time. Right. Maybe 
Yeah, it could be. Of course, why would Regina want a wolf running around Storybrooke? So I mean, I don't think it's that important. Suspicious. She didn't turn for whatever reason. Now she does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just thought Arjun had a cool comment to add. Good job. Good job, Arjun. (laughs) So then, I looked carefully, very carefully at the kind of before and after of this freezer to see any signs of it being unlocked and maybe spencer came and opened it and let red out as the wolf and it was very hard to tell so all i could really look at were the little latch mechanisms and things that granny was welding on there and they were still there after the door was broken off so it could be and this isn't conclusive evidence but it could be that Spencer came, unlocked it, and then at some point, then Red just broke the door down because the latch mechanism seems to still be there at the door frame, but we don't really see the door handle to know whether it was broken off or anything like that. So it could be either way, I think, that he either released her or he um, just found out. I think, I'm thinking he released her. He would be an idiot to. to- I think it would be smarter for him to unlatch the door before she phased. <laughs> because who wants to be around when a dog realizes they can get out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless he just hides behind the door as he, he unlatches it. or Behind the door? It. The door was on the floor. Well, somewhere behind, <laughs> hidden from view, hidden from smell. I don't know. Well, Something like that. What I thought was more interesting about him was his conversation with david when he said you may have taken care of me in the old world mm-hmm. he did have we seen that yet no we he, haven't he overthrew him but we haven't seen the actual final end to that battle of yeah. taking over the kingdom That's and true. he said so many times you should have killed me when you had the chance i think they're getting ready to tell that part of the story maybe mm-hmm. he revealed something humiliating about <laughs> the king and maybe that's why he's so mad Hmm. One interesting nod to this with the you should have killed me when you could. August W. Booth in our chat room or otherwise known as Tim sent in an email pointing out that he said, I love the moment between George and David where George said you should have killed me when you had a chance. This means that David is quite like King David and Saul. And in the Bible, now we've already many times likened David or Charming to the character, the shepherd from the Bible and King, the shepherd who became King, King David. And the story in the Bible is that David, well, Saul was the king, but God was displeased with Saul. And so he switched the lineage of ruling the kingdom over to David. And there were many times where Saul was angry at David and chasing David and Saul would go to sleep in certain places. And David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he didn't even sometimes doing things like cutting off a corner of his cloak to just prove that he was right there and he could have killed Saul, mm-hmm. but David didn't. And that's very similar to this, as Tim points out. It's very similar, it sounds like, to how this David, or I really think his Enchanted Forest original name was David, but we may never know that, but how this shepherd guy <laughs> did not kill the king when he had the opportunity, even though he was taking over his kingdom. So nice little nod there. Thanks, Tim, for sending in that feedback and uh, pointing that out to us. I never thought of that. That's kind of clever. 
Henry had his nightmare again, and we got to see the nightmare. And I looked very carefully at it. The scene didn't look like anything familiar, as if it was anything real that's now just on fire or any kind of (laughs) regular layout. But I did get some screenshots anyway, and I might post some of those in the show notes for this episode. But when Henry wakes up, he's burned from his dream, burned on Mm -hmm. his left hand. Yeah. And that could be two things. Gold later describes that the soul goes to this world. And we'll mention that more in a moment. But the mind is actually powerful enough, a human mind, that people under hypnotism can be convinced that they are burning and their skin will blister up. Or he just stuck his hand in the candle. (laughs) (laughs) So it it could very easily be that his mind or his his consciousness that was in this other world, actual other world, not just a dream, but an actual other world, then caused his body to react to that by actually his body uh, being burned. And it may be that that was just to get Regina's attention for this story, or it may be that some danger is going to enter that world and that's the only way it's really truly to be feared yeah yeah well yeah it did take that burning for regina to really take action and get gold involved with this i think they were just trying to show us that that the dreams are a very real danger Mm -hmm. well gold does describe the place as a real world. Yeah. Uh, listen to the way he describes the sleeping curse. When people fall under a sleeping curse, the soul travels to another world where it resides until awoken. Now this world is between life and death and it's very real. However, even when the curse is broken, sometimes in sleep the victims find their way back to that world. So he said the, the sleeping curse actually puts them in this other world. Not just aftermath. When they are asleep, they do actually go to that other world. Their consciousness does. And then the breaking of the sleeping curse brings them back. So this isn't just an aftermath thing. So this is actually where apparently Aurora and Snow and Henry went when they were under the actual sleeping curse. Not just an aftermath of dreams, but in their dreams, they do go back. So he also makes this little interesting jab at Regina in this same conversation. (laughs) You know, it's remarkable you'd cast a curse you know so little about. In that case, referring directly to the (laughs) sleeping curse. But I think also a little bit about the dark curse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he used that to his advantage. Mm -hmm. I think if she knew everything about it, she wouldn't have done it. And and that's why he had her do it, because she wouldn't understand it. She would just know, oh, this is a way to curse everyone and get my happy ending by stealing everyone else's. Yeah. And she knew very little about it, but she cast it anyway because of that. Honestly, that scene just kind of made me miss <laughs> some of the way the show was last year with more scenes between the two of them being them and the way they talk about things and the way... All of that stuff plays out between them with the gold saying things that actually mean more than one thing Mm -hmm. and Regina being kind of defensive and I don't know. It was fun. It was nice to see them together again. (laughs) Yeah, I had to agree. Yep. Philip uh, might 
also have some connection to this netherworld? Maybe. Remember, Philip was sucked into the wraith, yeah. uh, captured with all of the souls. Remember, Rumpel or Gold said that the soul goes to this world. Now, Philip isn't visible at all in these dreams. If he was, Aurora would have mentioned it. But we got a great feedback email from Galloway who said, hey, Hi, Daniel and others. Or he says, at all, which means others. This is Galloway from the chat room, or David Newland, one of our sponsors for this episode. I have a question for you. Mr. Gold said to Regina and Henry, when people fall under a sleeping curse, the soul travels to another world, and so on. He says, do you think this nether world will come into play perhaps later in the season regarding Prince Philip's soul taken by the wraith? The writers rarely seem to bring details like this up for only one reason, as in allowing Henry and Aurora to communicate. I think we'll see this come up for Aurora and Philip later as well. What do you think? That would be nice, but he's not under a sleeping curse. Right. But his soul was sucked up by the wraith. I think he's, it's more like Philip is in an object, not a different world, not the nether world. He's in the wraith. Right. And again, if the wraiths come from this world somehow, maybe... There's yeah, but there aren't there. any. That's, there weren't well, any in that room, though. In that room. No, there weren't. But, Jeremy, you raise a great connection. A great point. This world, the netherworld, is between life and death. And I think the Wraith in the premiere of season two was considered neither living nor dead. That's because right. I, think I think they said, right. how do you kill something that's already dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Regina said that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't kill it. It's already dead. So, yeah, they, the Wraith could somehow be connected with this other world because the, the curse, the sleeping curse, does not create this other world. Right. The other world already exists, but the sleeping curse sends the soul there. Maybe this other world is made up of a bunch of little rooms and these little fiery hellish-like rooms <laughs> have uh, different things inside them. And the reason that Aurora and Henry are in the same one is because maybe... They were sent there by the same source curse, the same source sleeping curse from Maleficent that Regina used on the apple and then the apple that Henry ate. It could all be from the same source sleeping curse. And so maybe that's why they're in the same room. I don't know. It's a a great point, Galloway. Thanks for sending that in. And thanks for your sponsorship, too. Yeah, thank Mm -hmm. you. Gold also said that when one controls something, one no longer needs to fear it. Do you think this could apply in other aspects of the curse of magic, of just all sorts of things in Storybrooke and Enchanted Forest? I suppose. It it was the only theme I could pull out of this episode. I I thought that's a very strange theme. They usually have a little more practical application to life, which I guess there's some application from that, but... Um, I, you know, I, that felt to me more like the general, this is the message of this episode thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's a particular plot point other than a recurring theme, but right, it's a bit of an odd outlook, I mm-hmm. suppose. I mean, I suppose it's true if I could <laughs> control all the bears in the forest, I would not need to fear them when I was camping <laughs> or, you know, but you know, if I could control all the spiders in the house, that would be oh. nice. I'd send them to my neighbor's house if I didn't <laughs> like my neighbor. And then I wouldn't need to fear the spiders or my neighbors. Ah. But I digress. So Gold actually helps Henry 
But here's a question that I didn't think about until the second time watching the episode. Now, I've watched this episode three times now. Was it really magic? Or was it just a placebo? It's just something to encourage Henry and tell Henry that he can control his dreams on his own. He can be strong enough to control them. But he needed this placebo, this thing to make him that he could put his faith in that object and think that that object is enabling him to be able to uh, to control his dream. That's cool. Because he didn't tell Henry how to use it. Right. He just said, wear this while you sleep. Henry does have it in his dream. Yeah. He, hold on, he holds on to it as he concentrates real hard and then stops the fire. And... Gold put a few drops of something blue. inside of it. Something yeah, blue. something blue. No, no smoke, no glowing things, yeah. nothing like that. He drops it in there and gives it to Henry. And again, that little symbol is on the, looks like a moon symbol is on this thing. So it could have some connection to dreams or nighttime, something like that. Or um, between worlds, between life and death connection there. Hmm. And... Another clue that this might be just a placebo effect is that gold did not have a price for this. He said it was for Henry for free. Yeah. And somebody always has to pay a price for magic. So by giving it to Henry, that would mean that gold would have to pay the price if it were magic. Mm. I really like that theory. Good. And... uh, yeah, then there would be no price yeah. to pay if it's not magic. So I'm thinking it's not magic. And that might come up in the next episode or a couple episodes from now as Henry might go back to him and Gold will say, well, I didn't give you any magic. You did that yourself. You were strong enough to do that. That's cool. And uh, we've got a great voicemail that also mentions this. Uh, that we'll, well, I'll go ahead and get to that now because uh, this voicemail includes some uh, a great question on this point. Hey everyone, at the Once Podcast, this is Chris from New York, and I am Frostifer on Twitter. Uh, I am wondering uh, if this realm or world, whatever it is, is how Snow and Emma are going to get back to Storybrooke. And I wonder if Aurora and Mulan are going to go to Storybrooke too, because it doesn't seem to me like they would have any reason to. You know, like nothing anchors them there as far as we know. So it doesn't seem like they would want to go there. First of all, I'll pause it just for a moment. That's a great point. I've wondered that too, especially Aurora, because Aurora has Philip back in present day fairy tale land. Mm-hmm. So would Aurora come over? Mulan, I could see maybe coming over or maybe staying with Aurora because they might decide, hey, we're like sisters now and being all buddy buddy and sending Emma and Snow back to our world. So great question. And I think Aurora would follow adventure. Anywhere. I could see her coming to Storybrooke. I don't know. Well, and then leaving Philip's body, at least, back. She's his body? Not, she's not his honey? Oh, I guess. Aurora. Oh, he is oh. oh, you're saying Mulan? Mulan. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm saying Mulan, because I was saying I could definitely yeah. see Mulan following med- following adventure anywhere. Did I say Aurora? Mm-hmm. Oopsie. That, that's okay. So you meant Mulan. I, I thought Mulan. you were just seeing the best in Aurora or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No. But, well, Aurora doesn't follow adventure anywhere. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Maybe the two of them like work out their differences and decide they're best buds now and they're going to stay back and try to rebuild 
present day fairy tale land and if so maybe we'll see them again in oh, a future episode yeah, why in would a future you season to go to storybrook <laughs> maybe aurora will want to meet the little boy in her dreams <laughs> well they might talk again in the future but uh, chris continues with his voicemail i'm also wondering if rumpelstiltskin being so eager to help henry is because henry reminds him of balfire uh he could be thinking in his head you know henry is around the same age that balfire was when we saw him, at least, during season one. So I wouldn't want Balfire to be suffering from these terrifying nightmares because he's visiting this realm during his sleep. Uh, I would want to do something for him, and because Henry reminds me of him, I'm going to do something for Henry. It seems to me like he's sort of taken to Henry because he reminds him of Balfire. We kind of saw that during season one as well, when Mr. Gold gives Emma the walkie-talkies and says, you know, spend this time with him because they grow up so fast. I think that at that time, he was thinking of Bellfire, too, because of Henry. So I think we're going to see maybe not necessarily a protector in Rumpelstiltskin, uh, but just, you know, I think he's going to take Henry's side when it comes down to it. I'm really, really loving your podcast. Obviously, I am loving Once Upon a Time. I've been watching it since the pilot episode last year. You know, I've been a fan right from the beginning. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, bye-bye. Great question, Chris, and pointing out those things. Yeah, like he was referring back to Desperate Souls. Uh, the episode with Rumpelstiltskin and Bellfire was when Gold gave the walkies to Emma. And I, Chris, I don't know if you heard the podcast, the official podcast from Kitsis and Horowitz, but they said very similar, that they said... Rumpelstiltskin might be seeing Balefire a little bit in Henry in that perspective that here is a boy who has lost his parents and uh, he's about this close to the same age as Balefire. Balefire was 14 years old when he went down the bean hole and Henry is 10 or 11 years at this point, probably uh, more like 11 now. So yeah, pretty close in age. Great observation there, Chris. Thank you very much for calling that in. When Ruby was out in helping investigate the uh, the splitting incident of Billy, let that sink in for a moment, she wore arrowhead earrings that were kind of Native American looking, which is ties back in a little way, I think, to how the wolf pack kind of dressed or looked a little bit Native American with the uh, that kind of thing. I don't know if that was intentional or maybe just a slight I think decoration. They just looked like children of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does kind of have like an Indian feel, like children of the moon. That just feels like Indian. Mm-hmm. I just I enjoyed their their style. Yeah. Catherine sent in a nice little lost reference that possible lost easter egg that she found she said just wanted to note a tiny lost easter egg when spencer showed up at the police station to threaten david he referred to him as shepherd which was our lost hero's name jack shepherd ah poo i noticed that too and i was gonna say it (laughs) you beat me i had it written down and everything oh not huge since David actually was a shepherd, but since Spencer is a former lost actor and David is our leading hero, I figure it was done intentionally as a lost reference. That's kind of funny. I got that. I got it. I noticed that too. Jenny, do you think that was intentional? 
or I think just it didn't was. I, I think it's either intentional or coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that could be very similar to the dead is dead, then I'm lost. See, yeah. Spencer is so hateable in his own right, I'm <laughs> starting to forget about Widmore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way he laughed whenever he put the, the hat in the fire. It's just mm-hmm. awful. Spencer called Ruby a she wolf. <laughs> And well, that's a what great she thing is. To call anybody <laughs> that you don't like. Uh, and Jenny, I think I can't remember which of you said it earlier, but yeah, he must have known about the wolf thing because of his soldiers being yeah. attacked by her. It's yeah. Like, oh, this lady turned into a wolf and attacked us. And the wolf thing is the official name for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what Ruby called it. Mm-hmm. The wolf thing. One of our other listeners, Kelly, sent in a question. Uh, or an observation, Emma can tell when somebody is lying to her. What if Belle has a gift that she can see the inner self of somebody else like Rumpelstiltskin and Ruby? That could make sense, but Belle said that she sees good in Ruby because David saw good in She's Ruby. She's just in touch with everybody's feelings. I, I think her general personality is very happy, very trusting, very, very not trust, not overly trusting, but... She's sensitive. Yeah, sensitive, I mean, and remember she, her conversation, she believes the best. Remember her conversation with Grumpy? Yes. And so back she's in just very deep. sensitive to that, and she's she notices stuff. Mm-hmm. And David, I remember in the initial reactions podcast, I brought up the point that how did David find Spencer's car, and what right did he have to break into it and all of that? It oh, was... It was Granny. Yeah. Granny smelled... Red's cloak. It was not Red's cloak. It was they had Billy's had? uniform. Oh, right. And right. Granny was smelling that to see whose scent is on this. Oh, the scent. Yeah, that led them to Spencer's car. Yeah. With a bloodstained axe. It was a very small blood stain. You know, that was a big job. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big job. There should have been more blood on that. Unless it was a very sharp axe, dearie. <laughs> I didn't even see any blood on the axe. That was just a little bit up near the the metal part. Up Should on the I handle. have a screenshot in the show notes? Of this? <laughs> Whatever. The bloody axe. <laughs> oh, my just, apologies to just, British listeners. It just seemed like like. An insufficient amount of blood on there. I mean, just, I was I was looking at it and I was thinking, you know, there should be more blood on that axe for that job. Just, no doubt. I'm just thinking. Yeah, it was a little bit. It was a little bit more than a hatchet job. <laughs> I wonder if that could be his business in storybook. Oh, don't. Oh, no, no. Blah. By the way, Yuck. Spencer's license plate was 75Q2XS. I don't know if there's any significance in that, but. Um, tell the police, not me. <laughs> <laughs> when they found Ruby in the alley and she was a wolf and the mob was there chasing her down, several interesting things happened. Like one of the mob's people said to David, we're not sheep, David. And someone else said something. I couldn't quite hear it, but yes, use the word shepherd. Well, that's strange. And it makes me wonder... Sheep to the slaughter. Does, well, that or did Wolf, King George, did, or sheep. not George, but did Spencer tell the townspeople, he's not your real prince. He was, he's just a shepherd who's oh, yeah. parading as the prince. We didn't see him say anything like that, but it's yeah. possible. And that might be why 
this random mob guy said, "We're not just sh- we're not sheep." Good Dave. point. It's not going to matter. He's been the one who's done most of the things they know. He's the one who married Snow White. If mm-hmm. they were at the wedding, he is the one who was there. It he's really a, doesn't matter. He's a prince now because she's a princess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they certainly trusted him. Yeah. He took over the kingdom. He took back the kingdom. And people trusted him. They followed him because of who he is. And I'm sure they liked him a whole lot better than King George because King George was not a nice king. King George is a jerk. Yeah, Yeah, they pretty much are sheep, honestly. A lot of them. (laughs) Fellow, I mean, countrymen. (laughs) (laughs) Granny was awesome with the crossbow. Yes. Oh, yeah. She's a good shot. Yeah, now, did she, uh, it was hard to tell, did she shoot his hand? <laughs> she shot his hand or, or the, just gun? the gun? She shot the gun. She okay. shot, she shot the, gun. the gun so it would misfire. And conveniently blow something up just to add a little excitement <sighs> to the <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> yep. Which is not good when you're trying not to scare an a big, wolf. creepy <laughs> werewolf. <Yes. nearby. laughs> and Ruby leaps from the shadows and destroys everybody in the crowd. <laughs> End of show. And wow. Including Granny. But... Ah. Now, maybe it's my turn to reach for something that's completely irrelevant. But 79 times was written yes. on the crate. Was that important? Did you see what was written? Boats only, didn't it? Um, I, I thought it said booty only. Oh, dear. I think <laughs> but, it said boats. But then looking at it from near. a different... Like, it looked like there was a Y on it. But I could be... We'll have this screenshot in the show notes at com slash 64. But uh, then definitely from a different angle, it did look like it said B-O-A-T. You guys notice the coolest stuff. Like, I never (laughs) noticed anything like that. But, you know, speaking of random paintings, remember Tallahassee? There were... I've never been. There was (laughs) the alley where the yellow bug was. There were a bunch of names spray painted on a wall. And later in the convenience mark, there were a bunch of other names on, like, some name tags hanging while Emma was walking through the store. And some of those names line up to the actual casts and crews. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. It's like first name is in one shot, last name is in the other shot, including awesome. Sebastian and Stan was one of the ones okay. that really stood out to wow. me. But that's about the episode Tallahassee, and we're finished cool. talking about that episode. <laughs> but just had to mention that. Uh, but Jeremy, do you think there's any significance to 79 times? Uh, not yet, but, you know, doesn't mean it's not going to mean something later. I wonder if it could be some indication that Ruby has turned into a wolf 79 times. So there have been 79 months or... It could just be that that's where they wanted to shoot and that was there and they didn't feel like enhancing the graffiti, which I personally would have (laughs) if I were shooting the scene. If If that didn't mean anything, I would be like, let's add some graffiti so that this doesn't show up too much. But if it's significant, I don't think we know why yet. Yeah. And throughout this episode, I felt like sometimes the wolves looked small compared to how the wolf looked in Red Handed. Uh, yeah, I think so. But in this alley scene, and I'll have a screenshot of this in the show notes, we got to see the wolf near David. And the wolf was clearly big. Like, not okay. taller than David, but about three or four times the size of a normal wolf. The cloak... Because it's almost as tall as David. ...fit pretty well even before she transformed, though, unless they just weren't showing clearly when it's he put it on. a big cloak. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. 
<laughs> Not that big. <laughs> Red does wear it. <laughs> yeah, when he put the cloak on, I like the extra production detail that you could see her arms mm-hmm. transforming from wolf yeah, into human. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And the way that she, like her fingers were curled and stuff and she like fell and so I don't know. It's, yeah, I just yeah thought it was she cool. was like on her fingertips when she transformed because that's more like what a paw is Shaped almost like, like doing yeah yeah and then she went back on her palms <laughs> after she like transformed experience <laughs> i had to do push-ups on fingers like oh, that before. ouch okay. got but not me. as a wolf right well, he's not talking about it i think <laughs> i'm scared now when they found then spencer about to burn the hat stupid spencer a, a cute little phrase Spit here with me killed an innocent man he was a mouse he was better than you'll ever be have you heard the phrase, are you men or are you mice? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think this was a little nod to that here because they're saying that this mouse was a better man than you are. Mm-hmm. The cute little thing there, even though it was not cute that the mouse was cut in half. <laughs> oh! <sighs> yeah, that would be a small job. And, and the, the hatchet wouldn't have much blood on it if... If he was just chopping a mouse in half. <laughs> See, that was a good amount of blood for just a mouse. <laughs> and you oh, sound like this is from experience for you as well. I don't uh, know what to do that in the studio scary. anymore. <laughs> Anything else left to talk about with Storybrooke before we te- talk briefly about present-day fairy tale land? Yes. Oh. I thought it was funny that everybody... I just noticed when I saw Ruby lock bell up with the chains and stuff i just thought everybody's trying to lock bella <laughs> like first regina then mr french and now ruby like she's she's having a tough time in storybrook everybody's locking her up seriously <laughs> maybe she just trusts people too much <laughs> it was cool seeing red with the cloak in storybrook yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely cool so just before we move on to present day fairy tale land let me ask uh, again please if you haven't already vote for us on every day which is probably just two days left when you might be hearing this or one day left vote for our podcast over at podcastawards.com you can go to oncepodcast.com slash podcast awards to see how to vote and vote for all of our podcasts in the different categories and i want to thank a few people who have left some nice itunes reviews for us anna uh Bauckham, honesty of the heart stacy lb and d rayner that's a username out like couldn't see if there was a real name associated with that but thank you so much for your itunes reviews we really appreciate it and it helps other people find the show better in itunes if anyone else would like to leave a review for us in itunes please go to oncepodcast.com slash itunes and let other people know how you enjoy the show so present day fairy tale land i think the shortest scene We've seen of present day fairy tale land. Yeah, um, was that like two minutes? I think even shorter. There was that ex- short exchange <laughs> with Aurora or with um, Hook and Cora before. This might have been, been even shorter oh. than that. But a couple interesting things besides obviously the nightmare. But Emma came to Snow while Snow was just sitting there, kind of. I don't know what she was doing, <laughs> thinking, but. She said that Mulan has some ideas where Korra might be hiding. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a trap? If Mulan is associated with Korra, then this, I think, is a trap. It's possible. I don't think so. (laughs) So you're on the side that Mulan is a good person. 
Yeah. I don't trust her. <laughs> I think she's bad. Do you I trust the blue fairy? Uh, <laughs> maybe, but maybe I want to trust the blue fairy because the blue fairy is the blue fairy. The blue fairy. And she made she made an old man's dream come true. It's true. She has to be good. And Mulan has a giant hair poof. <laughs> yes. It's a trap. Look I, at it. Look at the poof. I think she I don't know. I don't think she's that. We've seen her by herself, not being watched, and she seems genuine. So, <clears throat> you know, I think they should have kept someone with their eyes on her if they wanted to have her look genuine all the time and still convince me that she was always a traitor. I think it would be a cool twist if we do see that she's a traitor right near the end of whenever, uh, maybe like just before the Christmas break. I think it would be an inconsistent twist. Hmm. So I hope not. Uh, our chat room is kind of divided yeah. on the issue of whether she's evil or not. Yeah. I just don't even know where that idea came from, honestly. Just uh, my initial thinking of that was why did Lancelot, who is actually Cora, why was Cora so insistent on sending Mulan with Snow oh, and Emma right. to yeah. the castle? Yeah, I think whoever suggested that she just wanted them safe and didn't think they would be otherwise because she wanted to follow them and wanted them to be successful i think that's the right answer Hmm. yeah it could be that too i don't know so Mm. and we didn't even see mulan in this episode she was just referred to it's true we never actually saw her which is probably the only reason that was mentioned (laughs) it was so that we'd be like oh mulan's back there (laughs) (laughs) somewhere Somewhere out there, which is a not wait. That's not a Disney movie. Yeah. Never mind. So Mouse. then, <laughs> Aurora speaks the last lines in this episode of Once Upon a Time. What is it? It was just another nightmare. No, this time was different. There was a little boy. He he put out the fire. He talked to me. He said his name was Henry. Bum, bum, bum. Oh. Which I didn't notice the first time around that all the flames actually did go out mm-hmm. i thought it was just what was between them yeah, and it was all sparkly in the room <laughs> it was. or it was ashes sparkly. maybe just flowing. no it was sparkly <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there obviously stuff happened in the dream that we didn't see because she said that the little boy said his name was henry and we yeah. still don't know yet if aurora was able to talk back to henry because henry now can control the dream more, but he was still yelling earlier. The first time that we saw the dream, he was yelling, who are you? Yeah. Who are you? And this time he said, don't be afraid. And then apparently said, I'm Henry. Maybe that's right when she woke up and didn't have much more com- communication. Yeah, with but him. Why would she wake up with such a start? I think we're going to find out next week. I think I we're going to see so. more of it. Well, and, and this nightmare period was very short. You could see that Snow and Emma walked right past Aurora, right when she started to have the nightmare again. And it's just about a minute later, or even less than that, maybe, that then she wakes up and describes that this was a new nightmare. Dreams don't take long to happen. Yeah, it's true. If you ever <laughs> study sleep, it's like dreams can happen in like seconds and they can be like the most intense and detailed dreams or if you watch the movie inception <laughs> that's not a reliable source oh please of stop doing that. 
great movie, by the way, if you want to check it out sometime. True. So in the initial thoughts, I was trying to kind of collect my thoughts and 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 um, just put into words like the questions that had been answered as well as the questions that have been raised mm. by this episode. And I was able to put some things together. Would you like to hear them? Yeah. <laughs> the questions answered were what does the dream room actually look like? Mm-hmm. How did Ruby learn to control the wolf? Check. Who are Aurora and Henry seeing in their dreams? Mm. Those were the three that I... Yay. Yeah, and the new questions are, how will Charmin get Snow White and Emma back? Yeah. How long will Henry and Aurora, and Aurora be able to communicate through dreams? And does Snow White ever sleep? Does she still dream the sleeping curse dream? Because mm-hmm. we haven't seen her sleep yet, and she's being awfully weird about sleep. And... <laughs> Oh. We haven't seen yeah. her sleep yet. I, I think the dream does fade because if it didn't, yeah, then she, she would be in this dream with everyone else. Yeah, but maybe she hasn't gone back because it's such a horrible place. And maybe maybe the breaking of the curse changed things for her. Could be. I don't know. We also had answered, does Red become the wolf in Storybrooke? Now, mm-hmm. and oh, you're yes, right. she does. Yes. Yeah. And she she controls it. And she likes to run. (laughs) (laughs) A question in the chat room. Funny one. Will her pink sweater ever get dirty? (laughs) I can't pronounce your name, so I can't say your name, whoever you are. I wonder if Rick Rock. Ginny Goodwin prepares herself every time she gets a new costume to be in it for a while. Because it seems like the last, I don't know, certainly the last part of season one the whole time she was in jail, she was wearing the same thing, and now she's stuck in fairy tale land, and she's only got the one set of clothes. Which, what a jip! They didn't pick up some fairy tale landish clothes somewhere along the lines yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just it helps you to understand like where in history they are. Yeah, the, the contrast. Pixie cut, the pixie cut really helps, but it's true. The clothes really help too, and mm. the, the fact that Emma's there. Yes. So a lot of awesome stuff about this episode. And listeners, thank you so much for sending in your feedback. There's so much more that we just couldn't get to, but we really appreciate it. So there is no Once Upon a Time this Sunday, November 18th. So sad day. And also sad, we're not going to have a podcast that week at all. So you won't hear from us again until November 24th, uh, or I'm sorry, November 25th when the next episode of Once Upon a Time will air uh, at 8, 7 Central. And please join us for our live chat during the Eastern and Central time when that's on the show, and then stick around for our initial reactions after that, which will be at 9.15 Eastern Standard Time. That's GMT minus 5. And that will be our next episode of the podcast. And we'll have some spoilers after the music break of this episode, so you can stick around to find out what that upcoming episode about Once Upon a Time will be about so some awesome stuff going on Uh, and we've got in the u.s we have thanksgiving next week as well so we're going to take a little break from the podcast that's why you won't hear from us again until november 25th we're thankful for you listeners yes very much because uh, and anyone out there who's listening to this thank you so much we really appreciate it so many of you send in such awesome feedback you guys post awesome theories in the forums and i'll have some links to some of those theories in the show notes for this episode you guys 
are the best. And we, we really, really appreciate that you are listening to this one's podcast and uh, supporting us financially, supporting us with your voicemails, your feedback, your encouragement, your participation in the live show. And like we do this live show each Wednesday night, except next week at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, GMT minus five. We really appreciate you guys being a part of this. We are so thankful for you. And even if you're not in the United States or not celebrating Thanksgiving, take this moment to reflect on the things that you're thankful for. And it might be once upon a time is on your list, but we really appreciate you guys. And we hope that you will take a time to be thankful for the blessings that you have with your family and friends. So guys, anything, Jeremy, Jenny, anything left to mention about this episode? Child of the Moon. It was a good one. Yes, it was. So remember, no podcasts next week on the week of November 18th. The next episode of Once Upon a Time and the next episode of Once Podcast will be on November 25th. Remember to send in your Halloween costume photos or just once upon a time costume photos you have just a couple more days left to send that in and depending on when you hear this that might be i might extend the deadline just a little bit since it's so close to when we're releasing this episode but basically when you hear this last chance to send in your costumes and i'll post that on the blog over at oncepodcast.com when you can start voting on that and i'll post that in the forums as well so all of you can vote even if you're not a member of our forums i'll make it so that you'll be able to vote for your favorite costume and the winner of the costume contest will get a special gift i haven't quite decided what we can afford to make that yet but it will be something at least a ten dollar value at least but and you're welcome if you've made multiple costumes you're welcome to submit all of them just send separate photos of each of them so we can vote no on which one is best no be in the same photo like five times if you have five different <laughs> costumes. <laughs> or you could do the kind of thing like your your half Storybrooke and half Enchanted Forest. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, that that could be some cool stuff. But we'd love to see some photos. And if you have something like a couple's photo or anything like that, that's fine too. Uh, and people could vote on just whichever costume it is that you're pushing there so we'd love to have you as a part of the how the once upon a time costume contest and you can check that out we'll post it soon at oncepodcast.com on the front page and it'll be there for a while and we'll tweet about it and everything else speaking of costumes i really recommend uh, that you subscribe to the official once upon a time podcast there's the audio podcast with kitsis and horowitz that's consistently every week and then there's also the video podcast that isn't updated very much but a new episode did just come out of the video podcast and it's edward or eduardo ed Ed, uh, I'm stumbling over his name. (laughs) Mr. Castro is talking about the costumes for Once Upon a Time. So it's some awesome stuff that you can watch that video and check that out. I'll have a link in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 64. We would love to hear your feedback. We're going to be done now talking about this episode of Once Upon a Time. But when the next episode airs, and we'll have some spoilers after the music break, When the next episode airs, we want to hear your feedback about it, your theories, your thoughts, your observations, connections that you discover and all of that. You can email that and also your costumes and anything else you'd like to send to us. Email written or audio feedback to feedback at oncepodcast.com. 
And you can also pick up the phone any time of the day or night and dial 903-231-2221 and leave a voicemail there. And you can also go to onespodcast.com and click on the send a voice message tab on the right side and record a message right from your computer. Of course, you can join us in the forums and on Facebook and on Google Plus and Twitter and all of that stuff. All of those links are over on the website at oncepodcast.com. Everything's there, all linked from that single website. Please follow us on Twitter. We're, we all have our separate Twitter accounts. And uh, the show Twitter account is oncepodcast. And oh, one other shout out I wanted to make. Big thanks to Greetings from Storybrooke podcast and once upon a time fans.co.uk for helping to promote the podcast awards and our entry in it because there's only once upon a time pod there's only one once upon a time it's hard to say one once upon a time <laughs> there's only one podcast like that in the podcast awards so voting for once podcast in the podcast awards really helps the overall uh, podcasting community for once upon a time and helps promote once upon a time to many other people who subscribe to podcasts so Thank you so much. Greetings from Storybrooke and Once Upon a Time fans.co.uk for supporting us in the podcast awards. So please follow the show on Twitter at Once Podcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me on twitter.com slash the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P H L E G O N. And I'm Jenny. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. So be sure that you go over to the website, subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already at oncepodcast.com. You can get the links, screenshots, and show notes for this episode of the podcast over at oncepodcast.com slash 64. So until next time, lose the Java and go grab a cup of cocoa. Thanks for listening and have a happy Thanksgiving. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our sponsors for this week's episode of Once Podcast, Bonita, Sandra, and Jed. If you'd like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, please go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. You're listening to Once, episode 64. Did you get that static too? <laughs> That's a great episode title. Did you get that static I did get the static too? that time. <laughs> Could you please save okay, that, that for the blooper reel? That was great. <laughs> and now, our spoiler segment from Hunter. Hi, Hunter Hathaway here, and it's time for this week's spoilers. Season 2, episode 8. Into the Deep will air on November 25th, written by Melinda Vasquez and Daniel T. Thompson, directed by Ron Underwood. In present-day fairytale land, Emma got the compass, but Cora will do everything in her power to steal the compass away from Mary Margaret and Emma in order to find an entrance to Storybrooke. She will even raise an army of the undead. Are they zombies? In Storybrooke, Henry wants to be a hero and help get his family home with his red flame-filled dreams. In order to protect Henry from future danger, Regina and Mr. Gold must put David's life in jeopardy in an attempt to put him in contact with Mary Margaret across the lands.
to give her vital information that could help her and Emma return. The other day, Lana Perella stated on Twitter that they just finished filming episodes 9 and 10, so things are kind of quiet on the casting front. A big congratulations to Ben Hollinsworth, who we saw last week as Quinn. He got married over the weekend in Malibu, Hawaii. Now, for the big news this week. Is there a hook in Emma Romance Brewing? According to Megan Ori, our favorite wolf, Ruby, was quoted saying, We're going to find out more about the romance between Emma and Hook, which is very interesting. Thanks for listening, and don't forget you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash bit of pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs>